Thanks for tuning in to What is the Point? This podcast is tailored for those navigating their 20s and 30s who want to end up somewhere on purpose. We promise to keep the conversation real and honest as we ask ourselves this question. What's the point in all the different facets of our life? It's our desire that you would gain practical handles to these deeper questions we ask ourselves every single day. So with that being said, let's hop into this week's episode of What is the Point? Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is the Point? But you already know that. What you don't know is we're here with our good friend, Andy Thornton. Did I say that last part right? Thornton? And then his son, Darian's hanging out in the podcast studio with us. We're excited, Andy. I'm excited to talk with you a little bit. I mean, you've been on the team now for a little bit, and I've got to see you lead over at the Springfield Dream Center. You've impacted my life just in the way that you lead and the way that you serve people. And and you might not have known that, but just seeing you do your thing is so inspiring. And I know you have a love for the people that you guys serve, but why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about Andy and maybe something that they should know that they don't know about you? Hmm. Yeah. So I have been at the Dream Center now for a little over two years as the program director. And as I was doing programs over there, we were trying to provide, um, not trying, I mean, we I, I believe we're accomplishing it as, as much as we can, um, providing stability for families that are without stability. So things in their life like transportation and parenting skills and relationship skills and jobs and things like that that just come and go trying to provide them with a, a some sort of stability. So we, we created some programs that would help them do that and focus in their like 10 areas of stability to help get people out of like a poverty mm. life and a poverty mindset. So we focused on that. But out of that 10, there wasn't one that was dealing at all with spirituality. And so um, as we were as we were like developing relationships with people, um, cause that was, that was obviously the key at the dream center was relationships. As we're doing that, we started noticing a, a lot of people talking in the spiritual like language of, you know, what I'm missing something in my life. It's not all tying together. I, I think there's more out there. Like the missing link really. And, yeah. and they would even come up and say like, what do you believe? And that's kind of odd because coming from a, um, growing up in a church perspective, it always seemed like we had to. Um, be as creative as possible to weave that into a mm. conversation. And this was them starting the conversation. So when that kind of originated, we started thinking like, I think we need to have something here that is focused on that spiritual side of things. And when the Dream Center began, it was not to be a church. It was to be a place that provides help for today and hope for tomorrow. And then and then your your belief in God and, and his relationship with you just is like an overflow of all the other stuff that you're doing at that organization. But now we see it as a need where people are requesting to have a place where they can come and learn specifically about the spiritual side of things. And obviously that's, what's going to weave, I believe the other 10 stability factors together is, is spirituality. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think like you, you hit it right on the head is because you have that relationship with those people, they have the trust where they can ask you and say, Hey, 
this looks different here. Tell me more about this. Or, hey, why, why, why are you walking in this way? And I'm walking over here, and there seems to be a gap in what I'm doing. And that naturally leads to those spiritual conversations, which naturally mm-hmm. leads to, I know you're going to be opening up the third campus with North Point over at right. the Game Center, and you're going to be kind of spearheading that. So we're excited to have you on that. So Thanks, I wanted to talk about kind of what you, what you spoke on tonight in your message. Uh, we talked about the story of Gideon, and, and I'd love to go on that. I, I know there's a ton to unpack and uncover. But basically, you talked about how Gideon was an underdog, and God called him out to be an extraordinary person when he felt like an ordinary person. Right. And so we're kind of on, on on this thought of becoming an extraordinary person, and what does that look like? And so maybe first, just kind of explain that story more in detail that you shared tonight with Gideon. Yeah, sure. So Gideon was a guy who I think a lot of people look at as, of course, being an underdog, because he himself said, I come from the the least important tribe, and I'm at probably one of the last families that is popular, and I'm the smallest person in that Hmm. family, right? So this whole idea of just, I'm the least of the least of the least. So that was his outlook on his life. And then when you look at scripture and and you see that uh, the angel of the Lord that appears to him and starts having this conversation, he calls him this incredible, like mighty man of valor. You know, like, like, um, I don't know, you, you think of like some huge guy, like a general Patton type mighty man of valor. And he is like the guy who maybe weighs like 90 pounds dripping wet, you know, sitting in the corner (laughs) that is ready to get into UFC fighting or something. And it's like, it's just, you're going to get clobbered. Like it's insane. And so he didn't even think that the angel of the Lord was being serious, almost like it was a joke. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? So obviously his view of himself was very, very low, but it was not a view that he just had of himself that had to have been something that he had heard from people many times before, because obviously he knew, again, that his tribe was the least. Well, where do you get that from? That's from your friends, from your uh, family members, from uh, the other tribes that are like, you know, you're the last one invited to the party kind of thing. And then he being the least as he looks around and he's seeing all these other people doing things and maybe he's not the one that's included. So obviously he felt very left out, withdrawn, and again, like the the least person likely to succeed, so to speak. So that's Gideon. I mean, that's him set set up the story. That's uh, the guy that we're talking about. Yeah. And then from there, God calls him out to... To actually go deliver all of Israel from the Midianites. So this group that has like invaded the promised land where Israel was supposed to be housed has come in and taken over the city. And Israel just says, okay, so you get to have the city. We'll go out into caves and dig holes in the ground and just live on the outskirts of town. And that's going to be like our new promised land. Like just, it's ridiculous, right? So they just leave and they've been taken over. And he's he's so scared of the Midianites because they're looking anytime that Israel is producing any kind of whether it's food or they have cattle or whatever it is that's out there, the Midianites will come out and grab it because it's not like there's a McDonald's or Taco Bell sitting around and food coming in. That's the food. So they go out and they grab it and take it over like a bully still in the lunch money kind of thing. And so he's in like this pit that is supposed to be used as a wine press and he's like separating wheat in there, which is supposed to be like above ground where the wind is going to blow and separate the wheat and the chaff. And so he's in the wrong place of doing this, hiding as much as possible. I'm sure it's like a billion times harder to do that. I don't know much about separating the chaff and the wheat, but it it has to be extremely difficult to do it in the absolute wrong setting, completely opposite. 
And that's where the angel comes and speaks to him and says, you're going to be the one that God has chosen to deliver. So there you go, Gideon. Get on with it, you know. I got to tell you, I love just being here and getting to listen to this because I feel like you sharing, you know, all of that is like me getting a whole nother view and like I'm getting a lesson right here on uh, on Gideon and the Bible. And I want to know, Andy, about you. Like when was a time where you were feeling like Gideon and you Mm. were hiding from something that God was calling you to do, like in your own life? Because I think young adults, we we can go through this in so many different ways where (laughs) we are hiding from the very thing that we're supposed to do. So give us a couple examples in your life. Man, I'll give you one that is super pressing. So right now in my life, this is a coming back to be a campus pastor is a culmination of years of me not doing um, what God initially called me to do uh, because I got burned out heavily from it. And um, I was at a church for, well, so I was uh, probably, I was in ministry since I'm 42 years old. I was in ministry since I was um, 18, like started as an associate pastor at a small church on the west side of Springfield. Stayed there for like four years, moved to a church in Ozark as student pastor, did that for like three and a half years, ended up taking a position at a church here in town, a a pretty uh, significant, like large church, and was there for about eight years, training up to become the senior pastor Mm -hmm. actually there. And along the way of becoming the senior pastor, I feel like I, I really lost my direction. I'm, if, if anyone knows anything about North Point, they know that we have had a time um, pretty recent where we went through that whole Enneagram, you know, personalities. Right. Know yourself. Yeah. Know yourself. (laughs) That was so helpful for me. So for, I'm a two. And so it's like that helper kind of thing. And one of the worst things about a two is that we are people pleasers. And so I like unhealthy was pleasing people. So what people were suggesting that I should be doing was what I began to do instead of actually seeking what God wanted me to do and the direction that he wanted me to go. So there was a, there was a rude awakening for me in the sense that, um, we voted, the church voted, uh, on the fact of, you know, who's going to be the next senior pastor. And it had to be 85% yes. And I'd been there for like eight years. It ended up being 81%. And so it was not me, right? So everything that I thought of that was going in that direction changed. And then a lot of things happened after that that were super intense in my life of being frustrated with the church, being frustrated. Not I was never frustrated with God. It was just so clear to me that it was not him. I was frustrated with myself. It was a lot. I went into some pretty like hardcore depression I had never experienced that before, just this weird doubt of everything in my mind. There was a week that I stayed in bed. You know, my wife and kids were amazing during this time, but I was soul searching about what I was going to do. And so after that, I, um, I mean, this took a while, but I decided, okay, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a police officer. I'm like that. So 
I'm, I'm going to go do that. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I went and got a job at Come and Go working nights. Pastor until, Come and Go. Right? Wow. Right? Yeah. Working nights, selling um, alcohol until like whatever, 1.30 in the morning or something. And then you got to stop selling. I didn't even know those things. And then I'm like, oh, crud. Oh, yeah, so here I like, am like doing this. This is how go. it works. And I was just waiting to be able to get into the Springfield Police Academy. Mm. And so got into the academy, was in there for a couple of weeks and realized like I was thinking it was going to be like this Norman Rockwell where uh, almost like Mayberry, where, you know, I'd be like a cop and I could go help people because right. I did want to help people. I Absolutely. wanted to make a difference that's in people's lives. Exactly, exactly. So I was thinking that's what I want to do. And this was right around the time that uh, we had, I for, I'm trying to remember now who it was. Oh, I know. It was Haley Owens was murdered. And she mm-hmm. was, you know, taken from the street. And about an hour and a half later, they found her dead in this guy's house. And um, I came into the academy the next morning and I realized like this, I don't, not only do I not want, like it takes a special person to be in that. It's a special personality and person. And I do not want to be a person who is faced with that every day, nor do I want to be a person who always thinks, has to think negative about people. Worst case. Worst case scenario. That's exactly right. And that's how you stay alive. You know, and I, I'm like, man, that's what I, you're, that's what you're trained to do. That's what you're trained to do from day one. I mean, you always think somebody's out to get you, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and I'm, I'm just not good at that. And so I knew, like, I got that out of my system. So I, I was like, man, I don't want to go any further than this. Cause I don't want to waste their time, my time or their money. And I realized maybe I need to get back into ministry. Well, I jumped right back into ministry in a place that was again, not one where I thought, man, I really need to spend a lot of time in prayer about what God wants me to do next. It was an opportunity and I took it and it just ended up in a mess. It was like, it, it was not fulfilling to me. It was not the right fit. So Sarah and I, my wife and I, we found ourselves at North Point just chilling, like just church attending, just right. hanging out. Jeremy's messages were super awesome. It was, um, you could just, oh man. And we saw baptisms, like baptism Sunday, you'd have like 80 people getting baptized and you're like, what the world? It's awesome. It's insane. Like who sees this? And so we experienced that. And then man, over a course of a couple years, it's like God just lit a fire back in me. That's like, I want, I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. So I felt like I was during that time, just waiting in that season. And, uh, and so when, Jeremy approached me and was like, you know, we're thinking Dream Center stuff and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I it was like when the angel came to Gideon and said, hey, man of valor. Just out of nowhere. Who are you talking to, man? I mean, do you know my past? So I went to lunch with him and I just tell him all about my story and everything. And and he's like, Andy, you've got to understand this. God has a plan for your life. And he is he is not even like phased by what happens up to this point, like that is all his journey in your life. And your next step is to go forward with this. And I'm like, I, it, you're it like, sounds, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. It sounds simple, but when he said it, and I hope that happened tonight, like when people heard, yeah, once they hear it, once you, you're like, man, I'm going to like, God really thinks I'm an extraordinary person, man. I start to believe that. Like, maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I hope, you know, tonight would bring for a lot of people. I, so I'm, I'm back in it, but I can't, man, I'm skittish. I mean, about the whole like campus pastor thing. I'm like, man, I'm all in, but I'm like, oh man, is this going to be okay? Is it, you know, cause once you go through hard things, you're very like cautious about Absolutely. it. You, you guys know that. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to commit to things. No, <laughs> no. When you fall on you're your like, face I've, enough, I've hit like, the ground hard enough that yeah, I'm going to be careful about doing that again. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 
And so here we go again, right? And it's just that now, now it feels like it, going through something. Like how would, how must Gideon have been after the fact that the Midianites were defeated? Like how high was he walking after that to where he's like, dude, I mean, look at our God. Like he couldn't have looked at himself because they did absolutely nothing. He just followed what God said and then won. And then all of a sudden he's like, man. Now, story that the listeners may not know is that read on about Gideon and Gideon, doggone it, towards the end of his life, forgets that it's God. And he starts falling back. I know. He starts doing it again, like where he's, he's like, oh, it was me that did this. And wow, that, no matter how old you get, I think that always sneaks up. It's you know, we start looking at ourselves again. Yeah, we, we start forgetting God is there, and we think that that all came from us, and then we get prideful, and we start looking in the wrong direction, and that's when it usually starts crumbling down again, and then that's when God has to come back in and, and save us. And <laughs> I know. You talked about that even yes. in the Old Testament, how, you know, Israel, they, they became dissatisfied mm-hmm. with God, and they would start chasing these other things, and mm-hmm. they would disobey, and then God would have to come and deliver them again. Mm-hmm. And so maybe explain that a little bit more here. Yeah, so I think one time I heard Andy Stanley say that they get distracted, then disobey, and then you come back to God. So you're asking for deliverance, right? So you get delivered. So it's like distracted, disobeyed, delivered. And that is, and that's me too, is a, I, I don't, I have no idea if I have ADHD, but I do know <laughs> that like the checkout aisles, like at Walmart, when you're going up, those are for me. You enjoy those. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> like impulse buying on some of those things. It's right. nuts. I've gotten better over the years, but I was horrible at it before. So I would see something that I, you know, was, oh, I need that little flashlight or I need that whatever that's up there. I'd be like, huh. So a lot of times we can get distracted in life where an opportunity comes our way and we think, man, this is it. We got to like do it. And instead of like pausing for a minute and finding out, is this, is this what God wants me to do? Because God does want what's Mm. best for us. So why not go to the person who thinks I'm an extraordinary person, knows what is best for me and say, God, I really want to feel this out and know if this is what you want me to do. Something I didn't mention tonight about Gideon that's super famous about him is that he's the dude who put the fleece out, right? So he puts the fleece out on the ground and he says, I want the fleece wet and the ground dry. And so next morning he wakes up, fleece is wet, ground is dry. Cool. Awesome. A lot of us might say, let's go do it. Let's tear it up. Right. No, he comes back to God. He goes, okay, okay, okay. So now I want the ground wet and the fleece dry this next morning. So we're going to flip it. Yeah. Cause he's like, dude, I want to know for sure. Is this is, God? Is this like, you, yeah. Or am I, is it like the Taco Bell I ate last night or is this God? Yeah. Yes. And so God does that. And he comes to me, he's like, dude, I'm telling you, this is what I want you to do. Mm. So there are times I believe that we need to pause and, and it's not, there's a difference between testing God, right? And just, and then actually saying, God, I need some clarity. Like, I need to know that this is what you want me to do. I don't think God sees that as us testing him. I believe that, I mean, because there's nothing negative in that scripture. There's nothing that comes back that says he shouldn't have done that. So I think that that's a very positive thing for mm-hmm. us to be honest and open with God because he knows that we are people that need we need some reassurance. We, we can't see God, but are there, are there things in our life that can point to him or encourage us in this certain direction? And, and sometimes we have to be patient for that. And that's hard. I, I have barely learned that at this age, and I'm just starting it to where to not make decisions as fast as I used to. Yeah. 
So that's good. And and even in the story you told about you know being a pastor, going through the come and go experience, being a cop, mm-hmm. and then joining the team at North Point. How did you know? Like what was different about you know the conversation with Jeremy or that opportunity where you were got that reassurance from yeah, God yeah. and you were like this is the thing I'm supposed to do and this isn't a me thing this is a God thing yeah right well I'm, and before you say being a cop I was in the academy for like two weeks so don't, uh, okay so yeah. you weren't like officially don't, no, 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 a, a no, cop no 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 I mean <laughs> they hired cool, me to go through so. it does sound cool but I don't I don't earn that I didn't earn that you got two weeks in and you saw that case <laughs> yeah. and you were like I can't yeah do this. <laughs> my my high school basketball coach say I'm a quitter so that's probably oh, true. so yeah okay so being able to sit there for a while and listen and not respond as quick. I don't know if that, for me, I think it came with me just getting older. When I was younger, like when I was in my 20s, I I felt like I needed to know the answers to a ton of things. I knew that I shouldn't know the answer to everything. So I shouldn't act like a know-it-all, but I really wanted to know it all. And then I had, I felt like I needed to know the answer quickly and respond quickly. And that would give me like, kind of some clout with some older people so Mm -hmm. that they would, it felt like, especially in ministry, it can feel like this because when you're young, a lot of times ministry happens with a lot of older adults, right? Like they're kind of the ones in charge, so to speak. And so you really want to fit in and be like, I can contribute something in scripture. You always look at like Timothy and it's like, let no one despise your youth or something. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But there is something about youth that is is so incredible when you think of not only energy that you have, but the the eyes of like, I can take the world. I can do anything. I can do anything. I love that. I love it. And, and you haven't hit your face hard enough on the ground, you know, enough times. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. But it's a great thing, yeah. It is. And, and if there's some way that you can keep that, even when you hit your face on the ground multiple times, that I think helps you throughout your life to not lose the vision of what God has for you. Yeah. But getting back up and regaining that again is difficult. That's where I was at. And so when I came to North Point and started hearing more and more hope, hope is, um, it is a driving force. Like it is energy. It's, I don't want to come every Sunday and hear despair. Like, you know, man, we are all sinners. Yeah, we are. We've all failed. Yeah, we have. We're all, you know, it's up, all, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, okay, like it's hard to get what, off the ground. Now? Yeah. But yeah. when you're sitting there, hearing what God has been talking about, about his goodness and his love for us and his passion for us, and that he still has a plan no matter how old you are or no matter how young you are, that to me is like, all right, it's time for me to get up and do something. I don't want to waste yeah. another day of not doing what he, what he's trying to get me to do to experience an extraordinary life. Mm. You almost had to get in the right like environment to hear 100%. the goodness of God and those things spoken over to you where you're like, oh, I can catch this. Yes. God does have a plan for me. I can be extraordinary, mm-hmm. and it may look different than anyone else Yeah, that is yeah. my age or running this race. Oh, but. so like when, um, when I was in high school, I played when I played soccer, it was my junior year and we were at a tournament in Oklahoma and I was going to do this slide tackle and it, it was kind of wet outside. So we always loved to do that when it was wet. 
has like rocky hard oh, ground. Yeah, you just that. rip your leg up. <laughs> but so I did this slide tackle. What I didn't know is that an, the guy that was coming towards me was also going to do that, which was horrible because he got his uh, cleat just above my shin guard and broke my tibia and fibia. So like oh, right in the leg, just snapped it in half. Yeah, it was pretty real. And so I was like, oh, you know, and I tried to stand it's up on tibia it. tibia and fibias? Tibia and fibia. Tibia and, oh, I should know yeah. that. That's like simple Dude, biology so, there. Yeah, it's the two bones that are right there. So you're, it's not cool. And so um, broke that and I, oh, done for the season, right? You're out. Well, then basketball season comes after that. And basketball was my sport. I love that. Soccer, we usually played to be able to stay in shape for basketball. That was about it. Even though I love soccer, too, I was never that good yeah. at it. So wh- what I'm getting at is when you sit there on the bench and you've got a cast on and you're like, you want to play. Like you see your team and you're excited to get in there and you want to do something to help them. And you know that you can contribute, but you're on the sideline and you're just waiting well, I'm waiting for that to heal. Mm. And so when I went through this whole experience and I would go through like services at North Point where I was like, I want to be on this team. Like, I, I like I'm, that, I'm feeling yeah. this. I'm wanting. Th- and if when I was younger, I would have tried to force my way on there. Like, I got to make it happen. Mm. Got to make it happen. Like, no one's going to bring it to you. You got to go get it. Right. And that's what we hear. And there's there's something about you know, that, that intuition and that drive there, you know, you don't sit on your butt and just expect things to come to you. But on the flip side, it was God allowing me to heal. And he's like, not yet, not yet, Mm. not yet. Right. And then finally leg healed. I got to dress out and all of a sudden I was in a game and I want to, I played harder than I ever played on that first game back. I mean, it was like crazy. Right. So it's almost I believe that God takes you through these things to remind you how bad you want this. And so what we want is what I think North Point being a safe place to find and follow Jesus. What we want is hopefully we're throwing out ideas of this is what's best to want. And like it's best to want to have an extraordinary life or be an extraordinary person so that you can encourage other people who are extraordinary. Why not live an extraordinary life? Like we have nothing to lose and God has everything for us to be able to push through that no matter what our life circumstance is. I think I'll understand this probably when I'm about 90 years old. I'm guessing right (laughs) right before I die, I'll be like, oh, I get it. Maybe. (laughs) If if there's a a young adult out there right now who's thinking, man, I want to live an extraordinary life, but I just feel so ordinary. And I feel like I'm in that gap season or that transition where I'm on the sidelines and I want to be in the game, but I'm just not there. What are things that they can do to one, see themselves as an extraordinary person so they can take that next step? And two, like what are just some helpful tools or practical things that they can do just to be surrounded by that hope? Well, first of all, the thing I would like to say that I wish, man, it's funny to even do this right now because you start thinking about all the things you wish you would have said when you were in there. Um, So I appreciate this opportunity, but the whole idea of an extraordinary person, of what we can do, nothing you can do is going to change the fact that you're an extraordinary person. It's not, you're not extraordinary because of what you do. You're extraordinary because of who you You are. are. Yeah. And God looks at every person that he created and says, that's extraordinary. Like we see it in the beginning of scripture um, when he created men, women, and we, we see that creation of humanity and it's separate from the animals, from the planet, from everything, the stars, everything. And he looked at, he looked at man and said, this 
this is it. I am mm. well pleased with this. Like this, this is the culmination of everything. And so extremely pleased. Like this is extraordinary. This is his best creation. And that's true with every single person. So even if we fail at everything, we are extraordinary in the sight of God. Mm. Even if we succeed at everything, we are extraordinary in the sight of God. By us, quote unquote, succeeding more doesn't make us more extraordinary, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. So even if you're in that waiting, I know we, especially us guys, I feel, we equate what we do to who we are. Absolutely. Like our job defines us. That's what we tell, that's what we tell people. Like, you know. For hey, winning what, at work, we're winning at life kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And what do you do for a living? Right. And, and, um, oh, I'm a college student. Okay. Uh, what's your degree in? Like, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. How, yeah. And you start judging like, well, how valuable is this person going to be? Man, it's so different the way God views us. And that's why when I said in there, oh, oh Stephen Furtick said, it's dangerous to think more high, highly yeah. than you ought. But it's equally dangerous to think less of yourself than God does. How do I get into the position in my life where I can see how God thinks of me? Yeah. It's so opposite of our culture that it's something that I think we have to reiterate in our mind daily. Uh, It's a fight with our mind to know that we are extraordinary. So ways to help that, though, is when you look at what Israel did to get away from being extraordinary with God, not in their identity, but in the idea of God's hand of blessing, like being on them to where they were moving forward. When we do get distracted, we need to turn our attention back to God, like just as quick as possible. Mm. Sometimes we even think that distraction might be a sin, and it's not. Disobedience is a sin. Distraction, we can all get distracted. I mean, something passes in front of you like a squirrel. You're like, squirrel, squirrel. right? I mean, it's like, it's, and it's, that's not like we failed. But when something passes in front of us that we shouldn't do and we dwell on it and we chase it and we grab it and we ingest it and we whatever, like it's all in there. It's like, okay, now we've messed up and we've got to turn back to God. And the great thing is, is God says again and again and again, because of his grace, he delivers us again and again and again and again. Great. Because we are so extraordinary. He's like, you're my prized creation. I will do this. Now, the thing is, is that when we know him, like when we are Christ followers, we have that grace upon us. But until we're Christ followers, that grace is available, but we don't have it yet. So that crossing of the line that says, you know, like I give my life to Christ, that is saying I'm receiving that grace that you have. Are you still extraordinary when you're not a believer? Absolutely, 100%. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, Does it make you more extraordinary to be a Christian? Absolutely not. That's the whole thing. It's not about works but about being able to do what God's called you to do to have an extraordinary life and experience an extraordinary life, absolutely that works. So when we get distracted, we have to come back to the idea that we're going to focus on him. When we disobey, it's got to be a quick comeback, you know, and focus again on God. Otherwise, disobedience, I believe, leads us down the path to say that we are ordinary people. Because every time I sin, I look at it and I think, hmm. Just like everyone else. This guy to Just, my right's doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Or less than everyone else. Mm. Right? Because that's exactly what, you know, the enemy the insecurities would say. Like, and Dude, the, totally. all that starts coming in. Totally. Totally. So how do you see yourself in, in God's eyes? I, again, I think to see ourselves as being like God sees us is something that we have to look at again and again every single day. I love it. What What's the one thing that you would want young adults to walk away, whether they heard your message tonight or they're listening to this podcast? What's the one thing you want them to know? Well, again, I would, I would probably have to ask them that question. Um, what would you do if you were confident that God is with you, for you, and in you? 
what would you do? What would you do different if you actually believe that? Like, tr- I would say try it for a week, right? Just here's what you do. You might listen to this podcast and you say, okay, sure, it's power of positive thinking or something. It's crap. That's not, that's not the way it is. It is understanding who you are in mm-hmm. God. Obviously, first, you have to believe there's a God. So wrestle Absolutely. with that. Wrestle with that. But know, know that God is not standing away from you. Um, say that you believe that there's a God. If you don't believe that there's a God, wrestle with that. Just start praying to the thing that you don't believe and see if he doesn't reveal himself to you. There have been people all throughout history that have done that. Just tested it. Yeah, and and God reveals himself to them. It's just crazy. So do that. Then once you believe that there is a God, maybe you say, well, I don't know how to reach that God, or I don't know what that God looks like, or whatever the case is, right? Then what you start to do is you start to investigate, like, okay, what does God say about me? What, what does God think about me? So once you start seeing that fact that, man, this is, this is kind of what God says. Now, a lot of people may think that God hates you, you know, that he's out to get you or he's there with a lightning bolt and he's going to strike you yeah. when you're, yeah, God is not that way. He proved it. He proved it in the New Testament that he was not because he sent his son to die on the cross for us. Like how, how much more can you sacrifice than that? There's nothing that you can do. So we're confident that God is with us. We're also confident that he is for us. And by being for us doesn't mean that we get everything we want. Being for us means that he has stated, and God doesn't lie. So he has stated that I am for you, not against you. That's pretty huge because he sent his son to die on the cross, and we're like, that's pretty for us. I mean, that seems to be pro us, right? And then is he in us? That's, to me, that crossing over stage that says, man, I will. I'll give my life to Christ. I don't. I don't think that you can fully grasp the understanding that you are an extraordinary person unless you have what we call like the Holy Spirit in you. At that moment where you cross over and say, God, I want this relationship with you. I accept Christ, you know, as, as this, you know, as my savior, I, I, I want to be a Christ follower. And the Holy Spirit just invades you. He just, it's something that comes inside you that I will never be able to explain what it is except for the fact that God says, I send this person to not only comfort you, but to reiterate that fact that you are an extraordinary person. And I think that changes the way that we start treating everybody and the way we start treating ourselves. So again, try it, try it for a week. <laughs> that's, I, that's all I would do. Yeah. See what happens. I love it. Try it before you buy it, right? Sure, right. <laughs> yeah, you can totally do that. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Andy, for your wealth of information and just your involvement here and just willing to come in and speak to young adults. Uh, it means a ton. And I know there are so many people tonight who were touched and have a next step from this message tonight. And I know even this podcast for those listening. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. And just to man, say, you, you, it's, it is awesome. Like, the point is incredible. What an enjoyable Tuesday night after a Monday that just every Monday seems to suck. Right. And slow start. Tuesday, oh man, to come in and just see some people like crazy excited to, to not only worship God, but just to, to sit there and like soak up more. I, I mean, man, I was in ministry and I don't even know if I was that hungry for what right. God had for yeah. me. So I, I just think you guys are doing such an awesome job. So thanks so much. I well, appreciate that. Well, we love Tuesdays. And if you haven't been to a Tuesday night, we're here at North Point Church at 730. And you can hear more from Andy and the rest of the team. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.